Welcome everyone to Stepping Into Your Leadership. I'm your host, Christine Courtney. Our goal here is to give you some actionable takeaways that will help you lead your teams. Thanks for joining us on this leadership journey. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Stepping Into Your Leadership. I'm Christine Courtney, uh, facilitator, coach, and president of the leadership program. We're going to be uh, in this podcast each time addressing one different topic of leadership, and hopefully it'll have one little topic that'll pack a major punch. I also, in this podcast each week, will bring you a special guest, someone that is a great leader that I know is not only making a difference in, in workplaces, but in life, and also just a pretty fun person that I like to hang out with. So welcome. <laughs> I'm already laughing. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Stepping Into Your Leadership. I'm. This is our inaugural ball, so to speak, and I'm so excited today because I have like one of my favorite people in the universe as our special guest. He's going to love it because I'm going to compliment him a ton, especially in this beginning, which... <laughs> So anyway, I know. Well, we're going to talk about, you know, as I said, uh, this in this podcast, we're going to focus on one leadership topic. It's going to be two parts. So today you're going to get the, the topic and the kind of why it's important. And then the second part is going to be all how, how you actually do stuff, tips, actionable things you can do to make your life better and those around you better in the workplace. So we're going to focus today on the topic of psychological safety. And it's a buzz phrase that you're hearing all the time these days. Um, and my favorite partner in crime on the topic of psychological safety is Greg Shammy, who's here with us today. If you've ever had the pleasure of being in a session, an offsite or workshop with Greg Shammy, your life has changed forever for the better. He is one of the most positive people as well as being a really good listener and facilitator. And he has a natural talent for creating psychological safety incredibly quickly in a group of complete strangers or deepening the relationships and folks that have been around a while. Greg and I have worked together for, I don't know, what is it? Almost 20 years now, Greg? I mean, a crazy amount of time. Yep. That's right on. Yeah. Anyway, we love to work together. We talk about this topic all the time. More and more companies are embracing it. And so we're going to define a little bit about what psychological safety is. And then Greg, who's a master at it, is going to share some tips on it in that second half. But I'm also going to share with you some horrible failures that I've personally had trying to create this or you know, not thinking about it. And also Greg probably has some good stories of people that he knows where this is, you know, some pitfalls that people have fallen into that actually create the opposite of psychological safety. What were we trying to think was the opposite, Greg? Do you remember? Oh yeah. We were talking about that. Uh, fear, fear-based, yeah. fear-based leadership, which a lot of cultures have very pertinent in their organization. Yeah. So that's what it's not right. But psychological safety means that there's a climate that's characterized by trust mutual respect in which people are comfortable kind of expressing themselves and being who they are, right? And it's the belief that it's safe to, to take risks. And then people feel included, safe to learn, safe to contribute, safe to challenge things. And they don't feel like they're gonna be marginalized or embarrassed or punished in any way. And obviously if you have a workplace now that is psychologically safe, we see huge differences in how those companies perform and in how the performance of people that are in teams that are psychologically 
psychologically safe. So before we go, I just want to tell you where it comes from, because some people think that this was created by Google, right? Because Google talks about it a lot in uh, Project Aristotle, but mainly this psychologist, William Kahn, coined it in the 90s. And then other people like Amy Edmondson out of Harvard, who I love, and Warren Bennis and so forth, helped make the correlation between this kind of psychological, obviously, term and workplace performance. And so it also, people who know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it goes back to that too. So that's a little bit about the history. Uh, obviously, it became famous, Greg, by Project Aristotle, right? Which is Google, you know, put a tremendous amount of effort into saying like what makes the most successful team in 2012. And no matter how they looked at what was the be their best and most highly functioning teams, the number one difference by far outrating everything else was psychological safety, meaning that the teams in Google that were the most psychologically safe performed higher. And so what they started to do was really train people on that and really talk about that more. And then come, and then they published it for free to everybody else. So you can find all this stuff on their website. It's pretty amazing, Christine, because in that study, just from reading the different pieces on it, you know, the other elements besides psychological safety were really important as well, like impact, meaning, structure, and clarity. These are all key aspects, dependability. Teams that were able to have these factors were able to perform at higher levels and were able to produce the best results. But the one piece that took over all of it as the most important factor was this idea of teams that felt psychologically safe, outperformed and outdelivered on all, all aspects. Yeah, and it's amazing because when we go into companies, I just, I don't know if you had this, I had this recently, Greg, when we go into companies and share those five things that you just did, and then they kind of vote on what they think is the most important to them, they almost, never like they rarely ever pick psychological safety you know they they love the idea of structure and clarity being important or dependability being important sometimes you'll get some young people that will say meaning or impact but rarely do people say psychological safety and it it outperformed all five total like all the other four total it was more important and then they kind of perk up because it definitely is a competitive advantage to get good at this and that's why i brought greg in because he is your competitive advantage if you can learn some things from him and trust that this makes a difference you're going to see huge differences in your company culture in the performance in the and honestly in your bottom line and what it looks like we're in companies that are psychologically safe i have a lot of uh ceo friends you know Greg, when I talk to my friends who are CEOs and stuff, they always say, yeah, but what does psychological safety really look like? What does that look like, Christy? And when we look at the research, it says that team members can feel free to speak up, to ask questions, to uh, debate vigorously, and kind of commit themselves to constant learning and improvement. So you can imagine when you say those four things that that's going to be a different workplace than where people are afraid to say anything or debate you or just are yes, yes men or yes women, right? The other aspect that comes up too is, you know, I keep thinking about leaders that are able to create psychologically safe environments for their teams to perform and produce, right? And all those elements are absolutely key. But when you look at the different managers, directors, whatever role it is, leading a team, you're looking to see what are they actually doing that's helping their team members feel those elements, that they can discuss ideas, that they're free to experiment, that they can take risks, right? That's absolutely key. Uh, that they can give and receive feedback effectively. 
huge. And the one that's most important to me is being able to make mistakes, to learn from the mistakes that are made, that the, when the ball drops, it's about how I respond versus about, you know, taking in, oh, I failed. I'm just gonna, you know, shut down right now and not continue forward. It's about how I respond to those mistakes, learn from them and pick the ball up. Yeah, so true. Like when you say that, I can think back to like when I've totally messed this up, right? And the hard part is, is that, you know, I run a company. When you're in power, sometimes you forget that it's hard to uh, challenge things, right? Because I feel comfortable challenging people on things, but I forget that because of the power dynamics, other people might not feel that way. And uh, one, time, <laughs> one time, Greg, it was so, it's so embarrassing like to even share these things, but this is probably about 15 years ago, maybe even more. In our company, you used to have to walk through that center room. Do you remember this, Greg? We had like a center part of the office. It was like a long space down in Soho. It was like a big, you know, loft. And I, you would have to walk through the center space to get to the other part of the office. And in the center space, we had some folks coming together to work on a project. They were creating curriculum, something that we had done for our, some of our school groups. And I used to run that process. And it was for the first time that I was kind of turning it over to somebody else. So I had my own feelings about not being asked for my advice, not being asked, you know, what I thought about something, you know, I, I was probably licking my wounds a little bit as feeling a little outside of that process for the first time. But of course I didn't share that. I was just feeling that inside and I'm walking through that room and I'm hearing every time people talking and debating things and, you know, really good examples of a group that's feeling psychologically safe to make something better and create something. And I just listen and listen. And each time I thought, huh, how I, oh, that bothers me that they're saying this, or why didn't they say this? Or why is no one asking me even as I walk through, you know? So one time it just got to me and I walked through and I just walked over and I, you know, my ego got the best of me. And I said something that was like, well, that's not the way you do it. You do it this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. And this is why, blah, 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 blah. And they just sat there, they shut up immediately. And then I didn't know what to do. So I walked, continued walking out of the room and I was shaking. And of course, a part of me felt like righteous, right? Right, because righteousness feels good for a minute. But then the other part of me couldn't stop thinking about it because I probably knew, my wiser self knew I, I kind of messed up. And so later, every time I walked through the room, guess what happened, Greg? Oh, I used to hear, what do you think? They went silent. Completely. So every single time yeah. I'd walk through that room, it all shut down, right? So now I knew nothing. And the woman that was that I had turned this over to originally and said, okay, it's time for me to step back from this process and move up, who I turned this up, came over to me. She said, hey, I just want you to know that a couple people came up to me after you came into our session and you know started talking that they had a real problem with it and thought that it was kind of uh, rude and you know shut down the work. And of course I wanted to fight every ounce of it, but thank God a wiser part of me stepped in and said, just listen, Christine, don't say anything. Probably because I was about to cry, you know, but I didn't want to show that at that point. I was a new leader and I didn't want to seem weak and I didn't say anything. I didn't even apologize, which I should have done right away. And I just listened and it was like, you know, still felt that I was somehow right in this. And, uh, and that took me a long time to process, you know, to th they'll probably hear this on this podcast. They'll be the first time they know that I felt, you know, bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> there it is. Now, now you, now you have uh, made it public, and uh, and it's never, never too late. But there's so many nuances in that story, and you hit the first one for me, which is you know, acknowledging that I have power in my position that I may not even acknowledge or know of. But like, oh, here comes Christine. Right. That's even just one thing people are saying when the president walks in to, you know, through a room that that's what's going through their head. So that that power dynamic needs to be acknowledged. And it's 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 very, very important. With great power comes great responsibility. Um, yes. Right. And and the other thing that comes up for me is, I mean, I hear this all the time when we do coachings and, and we're working with folks in different roles, managers, but the, the seagull manager. <laughs> Uh, or the seagull leader, right? Who flies in, takes a bite of the sandwich and then flies out and has ruined the whole sandwich by doing that, right? And just because they want to get involved in that one moment and they suddenly, they ripple effect, uh, destroy that whole psychological oh my safety God. or that's, whatever was happening. I, I'm there. never going to let go of that image of me as this like nasty <laughs> seagull coming down for some, you know, pastrami on rye. That's terrible. Oh, <laughs> Greg, it's getting worse and worse. I'm going to, by, you know, sharing it sheds it. Okay. So, uh, name it to tame it. That's me. There you go. Um, I, yeah, so true. You know, we're looking for basically, you know, I love Timothy Clark's book, Greg, four stages of psychological safety. Cause he really breaks it down really easily. One is the first stage. Can you guess what it is? I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. Inclu- inclusion. Yes. Inclusion. You're so good. Need to be heard. That's why Greg, whenever he's in a room is like, I want to get the voices in the room. What do you think? You know, he reminds me to include everybody. The second stage he says is my favorite, you know, the learner stage that you feel safe to learn and grow. Right. So that you're kind of disconnecting from mistakes or failure. The third is a contributor that you have the autonomy to contribute, create value right? And then challenger that you have the permission to challenge the status quo. Sometimes that's a hard one for folks because sometimes as a leader, I feel like I, I, I know I want this. So I, like, I know I want this consciously, but subconsciously often I don't because it's a lot easier just if everyone agrees with me and we can, and we can push in my mind, we're pushing something forward. But this one to me is harder in practice than it is in the others. Like I realize that sometimes my impatience stops the challenges or the need for everything to be positive, maybe too positive sometimes, or for people to feel like they're on the same path or they don't want to seem like they have a bad attitude by disagreeing. I find that one hard. Do you, do you get yeah, that that's feedback? that's super hard. We're going to go into it in the next episode, right? About the tips, right? And get specific about it. But for me, that's really the tip about inviting dissent and healthy debate, which I think, yes, is a very difficult thing as whatever position you're in as a leader. But those that do it, again, effectively, they have it on their dashboard. I need to invite dissent because that is going to help us move forward more effectively. I need to invite healthy debate, right? Because otherwise, if it's just, yes, yes, Greg, that's right. I agree. Yes, Greg, that's right. I agree. Yes. Then we never, we never get any friction, Mm. right? And it's that friction that pushes things farther than they would go 
just by yes that's great yeah so true you know that's always that part that i find really fascinating is that your job as a leader is to increase that intellectual friction while at the same time decreasing social friction and that's the art of psychological safety to me is how do you do both those things i mean so it's really hard right it's a lifelong i feel like i'm a pretty emotionally intelligent person but i still mess this up all the time all the time so if you guys out there listening have a lot of managers or people on your executive teams or whatever that you want to help them get better at this greg's going to take us through i'm going to ask him i'm going to put him on the spot in a minute and ask him for his you know best tips on this because he's a master at it he can go into a room greg right you remember um when you went to that conference and people were just rabidly against being there and against doing that can you share a little bit of that story because i love this this is really when you saw Shammy at work. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was an amazing experience where, you know, I mean, that's a lot of the time because our brains are like, go into protection mode. Like, what is this? Is it safe? Uh, what are they going to be talking to me about? Will they put me on the spot? Right? That's what I'm thinking if I'm going to this place to hear a speaker and or let alone do an interactive workshop, which is even higher state, right? So I was leading an interactive workshop and they'd never met me before, this down in Topeka, Kansas. And I remember they were giving cards out to their participants and whatever card they got, they had to sit at a certain table. And I could feel there was like a real negative energy at the beginning I was setting up and I welcomed everybody, I introduced myself and I started to really build slowly by what you said, Christine, which is, you know, meeting participants where they're at and getting their voices into the space, right? So even if I'm leading my team, that's a very important piece for me to connect with them before I dive into any business and content that I need to cover. I need to connect first before content. I need to meet them where they're at and just get a temperature of what's happening. And then I need to build slowly which means I'm going from a very low exposure level. The spotlight isn't right on them. Christine, tell me your life story. That's high <laughs> exposure, right? To, you know, what was, what'd you eat last night is a little bit lower, way lower exposure than tell me your life story, right? So you really want to start with low exposure and then build, right? That's how we're building psychologically safe environments. It, it Anyways, sounds so like started- dating. <laughs> From what I can, from what I can remember, from what I can remember, yeah, yeah, yes, it absolutely is. Anyways, back to the story. I did, I did that, and I was slowly building. And about 25 minutes into the workshop, this hand goes up in the back, and this woman says, "I just want to say that when I came in here this morning, I was like, who is this guy? Why is he here?" and I was so discombobulated with why I had to go to this specific place and sit where they're telling me to sit and then look at this guy who I don't know who's going to talk to me for the next three hours, right? And she starts to confess basically where she was when she walked in this space. And then she goes, then I was listening to you and I loved your essential question. I love the quote. I love how you started to bring our voices in the room and she starts to go through everything I was doing. And she's like, she's like, she turned and she started to come to my side and be like, oh, this guy's, this guy's really good. He's really interesting. 
He's not just talking at me. He's really listening to what I'm saying and he's taking that and he's infusing it into the experience. And she goes, I am so in from this point forward. And I just had to say it out loud because I was so out when I walked through that door. When I walked in through this door, I was so out and now I'm so in. And it changed the whole environment too. Everybody else was like, wow, the dissenter is now part of the group and is on board on the same ship. And we're going to take a journey together. And we did. And yeah. eight years later, we're still working together. Eight years later, we're still working together. That same person has continued to stay in contact. I've gone down and trained her teams with her continuously. And for the last two years, she's been doing individually one-on-one -on -one coachings. And it's been phenomenal. She's gone like in her leadership from from critic to you know fan and also to learner you know talk about you know how honest that is and just to name it like that it's, it's such a gift to you and to everybody else in that room that's having those same uh questions or thoughts because it'll you know the hard part is that usually we're in a room like that and no one's saying it out loud so you know we're in meetings and everybody's having some doubts or thinking i want to challenge what she's saying or he's saying but everyone keeps quiet for out of fear or whatever. And you want that kind of environment where someone can name that and then you guys can talk about it and then everybody's brains open up, right? Because when we look at the science behind that is that our brains are there for survival, right? Safety above all else. And we're not fighting for our physical survival anymore. So it's all this kind of social survival now, everything, but our brains are not kind of caught up, you know? So we're really looking, we're looking at gauging threats versus rewards all the time. So I always think about it like in our workplaces, the higher we are up, the more power we have. Our job is to kind of reduce threats for people and increase rewards so that they, you know, their brains kind of calm down and really can create something special and can, can create a, a culture where people want to perform and work. That's great. Yes, because guess what? If I'm engaged, excited, and totally into it, I'm gonna perform at a way higher level. I am, my performance is gonna go way up. So the goal is for me to figure out what's gonna engage you and optimize your potential performance on delivery of results. That is the goal. And it, it's really a fascinating equation because every person is different. Every person is different. So if you have people leading people, and they're not producing and they're continuously being taken down by people problems, that is a very normal thing. And that's what we're continuously working on is going into these businesses, organizations, and really helping them develop skills to create psychologically safe environments to increase engagement and increase performance. That's the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. You know, Greg, I wonder if you noticed that we had a, a staff meeting and I had asked people, we were finishing up a project in some places where it was, you know, five years long and people were asked to present on those five years and we got wonderful stuff, right? From a bunch, I don't know, about 10 people or so presenting for a few minutes each, you know, all their successes, all the things that, that worked, all their learnings, you know, but one thing happened that made me realize how psychologically safe that team is, is that one guy got up there and he put, <laughs> he put up on the screen a letter that he got from 
you know, his client that was basically saying, you know, I want you fired, you know, and taken off this job. And he kept making it bigger and bigger on the screen. And this was his first year. And obviously it's five years later and he's, you know, still working for us. But I thought, wow, he must feel really confident to put up there, you know, this really kind of fiery letter between himself and this client who was just fed up with him, you know? And she was, you know, she was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. We knew that. But <laughs> but I thought, wow. I mean, but what happened in the room was it was so funny, wasn't it, Greg? Because immediately people were engaged. Yeah. We'd listened to 10 success stories that were quite touching and moving, but no one ever puts up on the stage the letter of someone wanting to fire them. That was absolutely engaging. I mean, I don't know. I've never laughed so hard in my life. I thought, what well, this is this. Yeah. Who is this guy? And believe me, I, I won't forget him. It was a lesson in leading with vulnerability and also the journey of storytelling. So he started with that and then took us through his you know, journey of successes from that initial dilemma, right? Which was pretty fascinating. And I got to say, very engaging. Yeah. And also just makes me think like, okay, this is someone who's willing to take some risks. And that brain of his is like, that's interesting to work with. That can make for an interesting workplace. So anyway, I think it's time for us to take a break and come back in a minute with some tips. So listen to episode two for some Quick tips on how to actually make this happen. This is the how. Everyone says, okay, this is great. I bought into this topic now because we were so brilliant. And Greg, you were so... (laughs) No, (laughs) everyone understands what this topic is by now. And you're probably like, hopefully chomping at the bit to find out what are some really actionable, tangible, easy ways to incorporate this in the workplace. You can also have folks that you work with or that are responsible for teams listen to that one. But before we end this one, Greg, I'm going to put you on the spot. You might have to take a minute to think about it. We love quotes, right? Greg uses great quotes all the time. I'm going to ask, you have a good quote somehow around this topic that you can think of? I really am putting him on the spot. A quote, like from me or from someone well, else? Well, it might, uh, if you don't know someone else's, it might have to be you, but... Uh. I mean, there's all, there's the, I already used Uncle Ben's quote from Spider-Man, which is, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Obviously, Aristotle's quote around, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, I think is really important quote for me. Um, Look at you throwing down some then... some Greek philosophers right off the <laughs> on the spot. You went from Spider Man to ancient Greece. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty, that's of, the beauty it, right? of Shammy's beauty brain. Of yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. We're super excited. If you want to join us more, you're always going to hear uh, some of people's worst moments, best moments, and some little bits that you can incorporate to have a better work life and therefore better life. I want to say one more thing, by the way, Christina is, she shared, you know, failures in creating psychologically safe places. However, she is a guru (laughs) at it. Um, and she's been doing it in front of me for many, many, many a year. And every time she steps up, she creates a really safe space for us uh, as a team. And it's it's extremely rewarding to be in that kind of space because I I'm excited to engage and I want to bring my best and go for it. Right. So that's because she does that. Um, that I feel that way. Well, thanks for being my first guest, Greg. Thanks everybody for listening. I'd like to give a special shout out to our podcast producer, Richard Francisco. 
Check out our notes for any details. And if you get anything out of this, please follow us. And if you enjoy it, please take a moment to rate us or write a comment. It will mean the world to us. We'd love to hear from you. And if you just can't get enough, follow me on TikTok and check out tlpnyc.com slash podcast for more information.